Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. Tonight, let me just ask you a question. What are some of the things that you believe contribute to Jesus' success in life and ministry? Anybody have an idea? Too hard of a question? Amen. Well, let's just start by saying this. Number one, his intimacy with the Father. Right? Uh, number two, his compassion for mankind. He was moved with it. And remember the first two commandments, love God first with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love people as he loved us. And thirdly, I would call him a person of the word, wouldn't you? I would call him a person of the spirit, wouldn't you? And finally, a person of prayer. Those five things. Imagine if we incorporate them into our lives. Intimacy with God. Compassion for lost humanity. Just compassion for humanity, period. That's what moved Jesus when he lived here upon this earth. He just reached out to people with compassion. And then the word. We have to be a person of and a student of the word of God. A person of the spirit to be spirit led and directed, guided. And then also a person of prayer. Now, we're talking just a little bit about corporate prayer. But think about what Jesus did in, in uh, his temptation by the devil in the wilderness. And all three times when he was tempted, what did he say? Anybody know what he said? It is written. It is written. It is written. So he just used the word of God just to stand against the devil in temptation. But you notice when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, it was a different situation. Notice that? Matter of fact, he asked his disciples to do what? Help him. By doing what? Pray with him and for him. And here we see him in that garden at the rock and crying out as, as it, and, and sweating as if it were drops of blood. So he's not having someone to come and preach him a, a message on faith. Right? He doesn't want to hear a sermon. What does he want? Help me. Join together with me. We know, and I think it's Luke's account, it says that an angel, angels came to minister to him. You know, he was in such agony. There's some situations that we're going to go through. We thank God we can speak the word. But to be fit and ready and prepared, maybe to face some difficult situations like he did, then we need to pray. We need to pray together. And that's exactly what he did. And what he asked his disciples to do was found in Matthew's gospel. Look at chapter 26, verses 42 through 44, I believe it is. 40 and 41. He came to his disciples and found them what? Anybody sleeping today? 
You think the church is asleep a little bit? Let's pray that the church awakens. And said to Peter, what, could you not watch with me, notice with me, one hour? Watch and pray. I need help here. That you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is what? Weak. Now here he is. He's not saying it is written in the garden. No. He is praying. And he's at such a level and degree of prayer that it's almost blood that he's sweating. He's about to embark upon an encounter, something beyond our comprehension, beyond anything we could possibly imagine. We still don't know it. Maybe one day on the other side in glory we'll experience or understand the full depth of what he suffered for us. But there he was alone in the garden and he cried out to his closest individuals, disciples, to pray. Watch and pray. But they were asleep. Kind of alone. He needed their help and they weren't there to give it. But thank God angels came and ministered to him and he prayed this thing through and that enabled him to rise up and go through the death of the cross and suffer all the things that he suffered to be victorious on the other side. Beloved, there's a lot that needs to be corrected in this world that we live in. There's a lot that needs to be corrected in our government, our culture, our mindsets. We're talking about even family members, friends, associates, partners in life. And they need God's divine intervention. And if you think about it, we are the conduit that he needs so that he could get through us to them to touch their hearts and change their lives. And if we don't do our part, then he won't be able to do his part as well as he wants to. And so that's why I believe these meetings on Wednesday night, these times we come together and we pray, we've got to believe that they're effective. We've got to believe that as we come together in corporate prayer, that we create a habitation for God in our midst and let him know that we mean business with him and unleashing his miracle power in the earth, starting right here among us in our Jerusalem, then to Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. And so that's why we've come. This is not to be a time that it's boring and, you know, what are we doing, just praying? Now, look at, look at some of these scriptures I have listed here for us for corporate prayer. Corporate prayer is effective in powerful ways. In Acts chapter 4, verse 24 it, you remember the story when they uh, were taken into question. So they went to God. When they heard the, that, they heard the report, all the believers, all the believers lifted up their voices together in prayer to God. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. And then they prayed on this prayer. And then look at verse 31. After this prayer, the meeting place shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Hallelujah. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. But it shook the place where they were assembled together. Praise God. We can have that same thing here. Praise God. As we come together collectively and, and have the same heart attitude, the same compassion that God has for lost humanity and just lift them up. Lift all these things up before the throne of God, believing that God will intervene. Look at the next one in Acts chapter 12, verse 5. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And you know what it goes on to say. He was liberated, supernaturally delivered and set free. 
So there was an attitude that existed among the people that we need to pray, put God first in this situation, and intervene on the behalf of our brother Peter. Of course, when he was delivered, they didn't realize he was delivered. We know the rest of the story, but anyhow. The point is effective prayer. Prayer made tremendous power available on their behalf, and God showed up on the scene, and God manifests himself in powerful ways. So it's not programs, it's not entertainment, but it's God showing up. And I believe we want God showing up. We don't want to come to a dead place that all we have is a this, that, and the other thing, and we're gone. We want God to show up among us and manifest himself, touch our hearts, change our lives, challenge us, let the fire, the refiner's fire fall, change us from within to make us more effective. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11. Again, from the New Living Translation. And you are helping us, how? By praying for us. Then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. Praying effectively helps. The move of the Spirit, the work of God, is accomplished and achieved when people come together and pray. Ephesians 6.18, New Living Translation, tells us, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And once again, we're a Pentecostal church and we believe in praying in the Holy Ghost. Am I right by saying that? And the thing is, we need to get, if, you don't, if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost with the prayer language, you are selling yourself short and the kingdom of God short and its advancement short in the earth. Because that enables us to pray beyond this understanding of our own and tap into the resources of the Spirit of Almighty God and allow Him to move in powerful and glorious ways that we could never have happened apart from that. But pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, believing that God is understanding what we're saying and praying. Then Colossians chapter 4, Paul gets very specific here. Look at these verses here. Devote yourselves, devote yourselves to prayer. Someone says, I don't know what God wants me to do. Well, I'll tell you, here's a good place to start right here. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us too. For what, Paul? That God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in change. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. What a prayer. Help him, Father, Paul, to pray or to, to speak and proclaim the message of the gospel clearly and accurately. When's the last time we prayed for that, for whether it's your preacher or your evangelist or whoever? I pray that you give him utterance like he's never had before. Amen. The next one, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. This again from the New Living Translation. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we ask you to pray for us. Why, Paul? Pray that the Lord's message will spread rapidly and be honored wherever it goes, just as when it came to you. Pray, too, that we will be rescued from wicked and evil people, for not everyone is a believer or has faith. So he wants the message to go in a powerful way. In other words, productivity when it comes to proclaiming the gospel and also protection from a lot of evil doers that are out there that were really targeting his life to silence the message of the gospel. So that's something that we can pray here on this side of heaven for others. 1 Timothy 2, we should know these verses even by heart. Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, 
that we may lead a quiet, peaceable life in our godliness and reverence or honesty, and that many would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, it goes on to say. So, prayer for all men. Prayer for people in political offices. It's, you know, it's not politics that's going to win the world over. It's going to be us praying for people in leadership and allowing God to manifest himself through their lives. 1 Timothy 2, verse 8. Here we have a prayer posture that I talked about just a little earlier. In every place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God, free from anger and controversy. Lift our hands to heaven and pray and believe God. Then James 5, verse 16. Here from the Amplified Translation. Confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins. And pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Hallelujah. So we have to believe in the power of prayer. We've got to believe that when we lift our voice on high and take the word of God, give it back to God, that he's going to manifest himself in such a way so as to bring it to pass. Charles Spurgeon on prayer. I have a couple of quotes here. We cannot all be leaders, but we can all be pleaders. We can all be pleaders. Plead your case before God. Plead the case of our country, our nation, our churches. Next, how, how can we look for a Pentecost if we never met with one accord in one place to wait upon the Lord. When did the fire fall? When did Pentecost come? When they came together like this and said, we're waiting on Almighty God. Hallelujah. Then Spurgeon, when he introduced people in his church that were newcomers, he says, I want to take you to the boiler room of our church. Well, what's the boiler room? He took them aside and opened up a door. Where there are over a hundred people on their knees crying out to God. Wow. Hundred or more people on their knees just crying out to God. That was the boiler room. Glory to God. You know, the success of any church is right here on our knees in prayer. And we're talking believing prayer. As far as Paul's attitude was concerned, he deeply valued the prayers believers prayed for his protection and effectiveness in ministry. And then Andrew Murray, who was big on prayer, it's our highest privilege as priests of God to be intercessors. Who can say what power a church could experience if it gave itself to prayer day and night for the coming of the kingdom? Praise God. Glory to God. So our coming together on these Wednesday nights and lifting our voice in praise, worship, and prayer before God is creating a habitation for God in our midst and also providing an avenue through which He can manifest Himself here among us in this location, in this locality, and then from here just continue to flow out in powerful ways beyond these walls. So let's do that. Let's minister to the Lord. Let's lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubting and let Him know that apart from Him, nothing can be done. But we're here to invoke and enlist your presence, your power, your glory, your dunamis working a miracle working ability right here, Father God, with a heavy heart for lost humanity, with the compassion to touch hearts that are out there that are close to eternity. Close. Hallelujah. It's our privilege and it's our responsibility to bring them from the throes of eternal death into the light of the kingdom of God. 